Jesus said, If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will have a fruitful life. This is what Thomas preached about last week. If you were here, that promise. Abide, stay connected to the source of life. Jesus also said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And streams of living water will flow from within him. That promise of living water that gives us life. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've looked at these images of these cypress trees with their feet in the water, like Psalm 1 says, staying close to God and being alive. But what if your spiritual life looks more like this? Because sometimes it does. So we started out with the river on the altar and the river overflowed, and today we have a dry creek bed. But we know that the promises of God are true. And so we're going to fill this creek bed up with colorful waves of water. And so the kids are already there. Um, I can't believe how many waves the kids have already colored the other services. So next week when you come back, and you should come back, this should be a beautiful, deep and wide stream. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for the living water that you give to us. Let us know that it's okay if we don't always see it or feel it. Open our hearts and minds to receive. In Christ's name, amen. So Pastor Tom Divini is not the only Pastor Tom in my life, nor is Pastor Thomas. When I... um, was newly married. My husband and I spent the first six years of our marriage in El Paso, and we joined a Methodist church, and our pastor was named Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom Nagel. And one day, Pastor Tom came to me. I was still pretty new with the church, and he asked me if I would get up in front of the church and talk about why I came to church. This terrified me, and not because I was afraid to get up and talk in front of people, because I've always liked doing that. I was terrified because I felt like a phony. I knew I was coming to church, but my faith life was really about an inch deep. I felt like I was going through the motions, faking it. We had a new baby, and we wanted our children to grow up thinking we always went to church, but we really hadn't in a while. And so um, to get up in front of people and talk about my faith... I knew I could fake it, but I didn't want to be fake. So for some reason, I said yes, and I got out my Bible. (sighs) The Bible that I had is the Bible that I got um, for Christmas when I was in seventh grade. I wanted a Walkman. I was disappointed, but this still works, so... Um, But I ended up, I had a zipper case for it because I used it so much that it was coming apart. Just kind of useful if there's a part of scripture that you're not real crazy about. (laughs) I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, So I unzipped my Bible and I opened it up and I started going through it. And I started to see all the things I'd highlighted and underlined. And I started to remember what they meant to me. My favorite psalm 
that just resonated with me as a junior high girl. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. You laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then in Isaiah, it felt like whole chapters were highlighted. I wish I could read them all to you. Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And on and on and on into the New Testament to the book of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. And of course, John 15, abide in me and I in you. But I think the one that got me the most was when I turned to 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing our trespasses to us, but he has, um, therefore we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The name of my youth group was Christ Ambassadors. And we were taught that we were to be Christ in the world because God was wanting everybody to be back in relationship with God. And I took that seriously. So there I was at about age 30, looking at this well-worn, dusty Bible and realizing that I had more spiritual maturity at age 12 than I had at age 30. Realizing that I had strayed a long, long way. And I was sad. I was sad because I knew that I couldn't just be a junior high kid again and go back to that, that I had to to build a faith that worked in my life for the kinds of questions that I had, and I didn't know how I was gonna be deep again or if I could be. Psalm 42 that Patrick sang so beautifully expresses it well. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. I realized that I was dying of thirst and I didn't even know it. And so I started to drink little sips I gave the talk in the church. I don't remember what I said. Shortly after that, we moved back to Austin, and we made it a priority to get in a church right away, and I joined, uh, we joined Oak Hill United Methodist and, and just started to seek and drink 
from the well and read the Bible and go on a walk to Emmaus and, and do mission work. Psalm 42 says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy, just like you, baby girl, shouts of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. So often in my life, I had felt like church was going through the motions, but I realized that those motions were important. They were forming me and giving me a memory of, of what it is to worship. The psalm says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my hope in my God. They say every human emotion is captured in the book of Psalms, and that questioning that I had was right there. Except the way I phrased it was, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Why is the world like this? Why can't I be hopeful in God? My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mazar. I don't know where Mount Mazar is. If you don't know where any of those places are, it doesn't matter because what matters is that those places are not Jerusalem. Those places are not the temple. And so what the psalmist is saying is, I'm way over here, God, and you're way over there, but I remember I remember who you are. I remember what it was to be with you. I remember. And that word remember is one of the most important words in all the Old Testament. It comes up again and again. And in the, the Hebrew understanding, to remember is to bring yourself back to God. And so over and over and over, they'd say, remember God's mighty deeds. Remember how God parted the sea. Remember how God made covenant with us. Because when you remember, you do what Thomas was describing last week. You get reconnected like a broken branch that gets grafted back into the vine. Remembering brings you back. And so we're commanded time and time again to remember and to stay in that place in spirit, even when we can't be there in body even when we don't feel it. And so the scripture tells us to abide, abide in Christ. The word abide means to dwell or to live, to stay. In Greek, it's mienate. And every time I see that word in my Greek Bible, mienate, my brain thinks marinate. <laughs> and I've decided that is my favorite translation of the word abide. Marinate. What would it be for us to marinate in God? What would a life marinated in God look like? To be surrounded by God, to be surrounded by God's people and God's word and, and the music that comes from God and the beauty of the earth that comes from God. Because when you marinate meat or vegetables, they become more tender, more soft. But they also take on the flavor of what they're marinating in. They're changed or sanctified, as we say in the church. We are changed when we are in Christ. And so the Apostle Paul was onto something because he didn't talk about being a Christian, he talked about being in Christ, marinating in God's word, in God's command, in God's way of being. Abide. Abide. So I love to be outside and hike around, and my husband and I do a lot of hiking around, and uh, lately we've been getting out in the heat, 
and the dryness, and, and the creeks are very dry, or at least they have been. I know they're filling up. My husband was almost moved to tears a couple of weeks ago when he realized he could step over the Guadalupe River. Do you realize I'm stepping? It'll be okay. It'll rain. Don't worry. But what you find when you're hiking around that kind of thing is you'll find these puddles in the dry creek where the water has concentrated, and it's usually packed with fish. And you just think, oh, poor little fish. <laughs> I hope for your sake the rain comes before the raccoons do. And sometimes for us to abide looks like that, hunkering down during difficult and dark times. This is the best picture I could find. It wasn't what I was picturing with the, the clear waters of central Texas, but um, this puddle is very muddy and there's a lot of fish concentrated in there. It's muddy and messy and they are fighting with each other and it looks like church. Sometimes. I got a good laugh out of Tom earlier, so thank you for laughing at that. Um, some of us have experienced how church sometimes feels like that. When we are trying to abide in Christ, when we are trying to stay together, and it just doesn't feel like there's enough room for all of us, and God says, even in this, I am with you. I am here. Hang with me. It breaks my heart to hear about people leaving church because someone said or did something in a Sunday school class or a group or whatever that made them mad or hurt their feelings. And I just think, imagine what one of those fish would do if it left that puddle. Church may not always be perfect, but sometimes that's where we just need to abide. The scripture says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. Don't you love that? Deep calls to deep. Our deep and infinite God calls to the deep in us and says, come deeper with me. I know there's more in you. I know there's more you can give. I know there's more you can do. I created you. God calls out to us. And as Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love and by night, his song is with me. I think that... Um, it reminds us that, that that depth, that water that we need doesn't come from us. God commands his love. His mysterious and deep, beautiful love is commanded by God. It's not anything that we can invent or, or manufacture. It's a gift of God. That steadfast love, that Hebrew word said, I love that Tom has it on his door. When you see the three Hebrew letters, if you ever go to his office, it's that steadfast love, that faithfulness, that, that mercy, that kind of love that God gives us that the world can't. And God surrounds us with that and says, marinate in it with me. And so I wonder if this too is a picture of faith. If sometimes mature adult faith just looks like this sometimes, and it's okay. I wonder if God works just as much in the times that look like this as the times that look like this, that if we just hang in, the rains will come, and that God does things in those thirsty times that can't ever be done any other way when we realize that we need God. And so, 
I got through my dry time, and I assume that you know it worked out okay, because I'm a pastor now. Um, we got more and more involved in our church, and as my friend, um, Pastor Tina, my friend and mentor, just kept telling me, you know, don't worry about how you're going to do all this. Just take the next faithful step. Just take the next faithful step. And I just kept doing that. And I thought maybe I'd take one class at seminary. <laughs> and it just kept going. Um, and then I was asked to attend a conference for people who wanted to plant churches. And I started learning about this and reading about this and realizing that my whole life I like to do new and weird things, like let the kids be loud in church. And there's been times in my life where wonderful people have let me, and I thought, oh, I can be this kind of pastor. And all of a sudden I figured out my call. All of a sudden I figured out what God was doing with me. All of a sudden I figured out why I was put on the earth and I was so excited. So I was at this conference and I couldn't sleep because I just wanted to keep talking to people about, about what this meant and, and, and this call that God had on my life. So I woke up, it was about six in the morning, and I wondered if the cafeteria was open. So I went, and it was open, and the coffee was on, and there was only one person in the room, and he kind of looked homeless. So I almost went back to bed, but God said, you want to plant new churches and you can't handle going to sit with a homeless guy? Come on. So I went over and sat with him, and he realized he wasn't as bad as I thought. He was just kind of hunched over, kind of sad, with his cup of coffee and all his winter clothes on. But we started talking, and his face brightened, and he took off his hat, and he took off his scarf, and he looked familiar. And then he took off his jacket, and I saw his name tag, Tom Nagel, Pastor Tom. And I realized that I had moved away, and he never knew what happened to me. He never knew that I had gone on this journey. He never knew that I had become a pastor. He didn't know any of it. And I went, Pastor Tom, do you know who I am? And he went, oh, yeah, you know, did not. But we talked, and I told him my story, and um, we had a great conversation. About two weeks later, I got a letter in the mail. It said, Dear Stella, I didn't remember who you were, so I knew it. He said, my wife reminded me, your husband was a lawyer, we baptized your baby, it came back to me. And he said, what you don't know is that when I was sitting alone in that cafeteria, I've been going through a really difficult time, and I asked God, have I ever done anything that matters? Have I ever made a difference in all these years of ministry? And then you walked in. Sometimes we can be the source of encouragement and new life for other people just by showing up. I found this obscure little verse that gets put at the end of the book of Esther sometimes. The little spring that grew into a river and was turned into a light and abounded in many waters is Esther, who the king married and made queen. May it be so with us, a little spring that grows into a river. Amen.